0: This has been a fun series, and I'm looking forward to today's message in particular. And I wanted to start it out with a question that I think doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian or no matter where you are in your faith journey, it's a question that all of us have an honest answer to. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud because it could get weird, but, but this is a question I have for everybody in the room and everybody watching online. Here, here we go. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? Keeps you up at night sometimes. Now, now for the person that says nothing, um, <laughs> you're either a liar or ha. Either way, we're glad you're at second chance. We hope you sober up by the time you leave. But, but we worry about stuff. Now, what's crazy is if I were to ask you this question last week, I might have gotten a different answer. Or maybe last month or a year ago, 10 years ago. gotten it. Or what about middle school? You, you remember what you were worried about in middle school? Most of you, most of you don't. Or most you can think of something. It was like a really big deal in middle school, like I can't skate backwards and I like, how do I do this? And then all of a sudden, like you never could, but then it turned out okay, didn't it, right? And then you got to high school and you worried about the test and you got to college and you worried about this. Remember how you felt after you lost your first job? Remember how you felt when your car broke down for the first time? I mean, we we all worry about stuff. And I think that we live in a culture that, perpetuates worry. We live in a if you watch, listen. I tell most people, and you've heard me say this for years, I'll say this. Most people if you would simply stop watching the news and listening to political talk radio, your world would be so good. It would it would I didn't get one single amen. I just but yeah, no seriously, some of y'all the reason that you have no friends is because you do that all the time. Um but but because we live in a culture that's always telling us what we have to worry about. In fact, one of the scariest statements that you can make to me um, starts out with this: I watched a documentary on, and it doesn't matter what follows that it's going to be something. Then I need to worry about. I watched the documentary on why you shouldn't drink milk. Oh, okay, I shouldn't drink. I watched the doc this is my- I watched the documentary on UFOs, and by the time you get done watching it, you're convinced that your neighbor is an alien and you might actually be an alien. You just don't know that you're an alien. I watched the documentary on Bigfoot. I watched the documentary on how they assassinated JFK, and I closed all my curtains in my house thinking I'm next because the documentary taught me how to worry. Now, the problem with worry is um, it's part of human nature. We all worry about our kids or we worry about our parents or worry about something. But if worry is left unchecked, it always leads to anxiety. And anxiety is where we are crippled in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with other people. There are people that literally cannot go outside of their homes because anxiety has crippled them so much. And it all started with something they were worried about, which is why I'm so thankful for two verses in the book of Philippians. There's a guy named Paul, and when we first meet him in the Bible, he's not a Christian. He becomes a Christian, and he writes this letter to a church in Philippi. And um, it's only four chapters long. He shares a few things with them. And in the last chapter, there's a couple of verses he shares, and this is something that if you're wrestling with worry, I think is going to minister to you because I know that it's ministered to me. Here we go. Paul says this, then you will experience God's peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God's peace. If you can sign up for God's peace, if you can text to get God's peace, if, you can, if there's a sheet, if I've got to pay some money for it, if I could just get the peace of God, I want, I mean, if God's doling out peace, sign me up. But, but the problem in our society, and trust me, I know this from personal experience, is too many people are looking for relief instead of peace. And we'll run to things for relief. We will escape to things. relief, but we got to be careful because what we escape to will one day be what we need to escape from. If we escape to alcohol, one day we'll have to escape from alcohol. If we escape to drugs, one day we'll have to escape from drugs. If we escape to relationships, eventually one day we'll have to escape from the... I'm not looking for an escape. I'm looking for the peace of God that no matter what's going on around me, There's going to be peace in my life. In fact, Paul went on to describe it this way. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In other words, it's the peace that doesn't make sense. I was spending some time um, about a week and a half ago with a couple, a husband and a wife. And the, the wife was literally, she wasn't expected to live very much longer. In fact, less than 48 hours later, she stepped into eternity. And the husband and the wife knew what was coming, but what was amazing is we actually had this conversation. I looked at both of them, and I said, you know, in spite of everything that's happening right now, both of you, while grieving, seem incredibly at peace. And they were. It was was one of those moments that, and you've seen people do this, where they're going through something that's literally one of the worst things you've ever seen, and they just somehow seem to be okay even when things are not okay. It's that thing called the peace of God. And it, it transcends, as Paul said, understanding. And then he said this, his peace, and I'm thankful for this, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I'm the reason I'm thankful for this is because it helps me make sense because sometimes Christians, we say things to people and we don't actually know what they mean. We just say them. Like, guard your heart. How many have have ever been told, guard your heart? Hey, guard your heart, guard your heart. I've I've just started asking people, what what does that mean? How do I guard my heart? Like, I, I don't know how to guard my heart. And one of the things that I'm learning from scripture is we don't, we're not actually in charge of guarding our heart. The Bible says that God's peace will guard our hearts. God's peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And for me, this is huge because I don't know if this is true for you, but I wrote this down because it's true for me, that when I like God's peace, I also like the patience to make wise decisions. Some of the dumbest decisions I've made, and there are plenty to choose from, but some of the dumbest decisions I've ever made is because I didn't make the decisions from the peace of God. I made the decisions out of the pressure to do something. And when we make decisions out of pressure rather than peace, We'll always mess it up. So with all of this in mind, the peace of God and, and, and guarding our heart and not worrying, how do we, how do we get there? Like, how do, we, how do we get there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul talks about that in the previous verse, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and we're going to go through it bit by bit. And the reason I'm going to go through it bit by bit is because on the surface, if you just read it, It sounds sort of shallow, but it's not. It's it's really incredible. Here's how here's how Paul said we can have the peace of God and not worry. Paul said this Philippians four six. Don't worry about anything. It's good, isn't it? That's man, that's awesome. God, just we just pray and go home, right? let's be honest. Let's be honest. Don't you hate this person? That you like you you are freaking out about your life situation. You are freaked out. And you tell them they go, Oh, don't worry about it. They're, don't don't worry about it. You know, why don't I kick you in the head and you not worry about that? Like, like are you kidding me? I literally, like when people tell me, don't worry about it, I' have literally started to say, Oh my God, you are a genius. I've never thought I've just that it's gone. It, You should open an office up to help people. Um, And what do I call it? Mr. Stupid. That's what you call it. Because how do you not worry about anything? Because when when people say this, I I know where you're going, hey, have you seen my kids? They're crazy. I always, have you seen my parents? They're crazier, right? Have you seen my job? Have you seen my marriage? Have you seen the fact that I can't get married? Like, have you seen what's going on in my life, God? Don't worry. and and Paul, this is your advice. You're writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and all you can come up with is, "Don't worry about anything." But a lot of times in life, it's not just what is said; it's who said it. And Paul is not speaking. I mean, because some, sometimes when we read the Bible, if we're not careful, we can imagine Paul. And he's standing in a library and the back shelf is full of books and he's in a high back chair and he's got his gray hair and he's kind of got it pulled back in a ponytail and it's really long because he's kind of a hippie at heart, right? And he's got a smoker's jacket on and he's smoking a pipe and he's spouting out wisdom and he goes, don't worry about anything. And me, I'm thinking, okay, Paul, what's in the pipe? Are you in Colorado? Like, I mean, it's it's legal there. It's not legal here, right? But like, I'm worried about what's in the pipe. And we think that Paul's speaking from this pious position, but we got to understand, Paul's not writing this from a palace. Paul was in prison. And prison's bad, but prison 2,000 years ago, that was a bad place. Paul's not writing this as somebody that hasn't experienced tough times. Paul has, had experienced tougher times than, than just about all of us. Like, for example, I just got an honest question. I got, a, got an honest question. My hands up. How many of you have ever been beat up? You lost a fight. Come on. Okay, just a few. Just a, Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you very much. For I've never lost a fight. <laughs> You've never been in one. Um, like, Paul got beat up so bad one time. He got beat up so bad. They threw rocks at him. They thought they killed him. They drug him outside the city and left him for dead. Now, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. Paul knew what it was like to go through some stuff. Paul is going through a list of all the bad stuff that happened to him. And in 2 Corinthians, he said, I've been shipwrecked five times. Shipwrecked. We had people what, about a year ago stranded on a cruise ship freaking out, right? Oh, my gosh, I'm on a cruise. And Paul's been shipwrecked five times, to which if I'm his friend, I'm like, Paul, you might want to consider the mode of transportation. I would go camel over ship. I'm just saying every ship you get on crashes. So, But Paul's been shipwrecked, and there was one time he was shipwrecked, and he survived the shipwreck, and he's gathering some firewood, and as he reaches down to gather the firewood, a snake bites him on the hand, which... If if that's me, I'm like, okay, for real, for real. This is the best you've got. So Paul's been through some stuff, and he's not writing from, like I said, a pious position, but rather a position where he understands that Christians go through tough times, and he's able to say with conviction, with conviction, don't worry about anything. Paul, where does that mindset come from? Well, he goes on to explain a little bit. He says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything.
1: It, <laughs>
0: Paul, it's not getting better. Because don't you hate the pray about it person? Oh, my God, this is good. Oh, you, oh man, you should pray about it. <gasps> I'm gonna start calling you Pope, Bishop, like the pray about it. And, and Christians, we the prayer thing, like for example, like I don't I learned this early. If I'm in a group of people and they start doing prayer requests, I leave. Couple reasons. Couple reasons. And listen, you can judge me all you want. I don't care. I I just leave. There's a couple reasons to leave. Number one, it's because everybody has an unspoken. Unspoken unspoken. And what that really means is I'm so jacked up, I don't want to tell anybody in this room because y'all would kick me out. So just unspoken. Okay, okay, you're jacked up, you're jacked up. Can we all admit that we're all messed up, okay? And the second is because prayer requests turns in, turn into gossip. Have you ever been in one? Okay, y'all, you listen, I'm, just, I'm not going to say anything, but we just need to, we just need to pray for Cindy because um, she's pregnant again and only God God could reveal who the Father is. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. So pray. Let's just pray. Hold hands. Um.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, you've been there, huh? You've been there. You've been in that circle, right? If you don't want to pray, squeeze the hands of the person next to you. Squeeze, and and that's how it that it kind of goes around the circle. I didn't say that in the last two services. I'm telling y'all, this is the best one. This is why this is the meds are wearing off. I, but 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 pray pray about everything is is what Paul said. He's to, he's telling us to pray. Now we've now when you look at that, you've tried that. There are people in this room right here today. You're worried about a situation that you've prayed about. But let me define prayer. Um, let me define prayer in a way that I've come to understand it over the past three years. And the best definition I can give of prayer is this. Prayer is passing off. Prayer is, I'm going to take something and I'm going to give it to you. Like I have this water bottle. Rachel, come here and get this water, water bottle. And now, now I don't have to worry about the water bottle because Rachel's got it. You can take it. It's not, I don't have to worry about the water bottle. What we'll do sometimes is, Christians is like, I gave her the water bottle, and all of a sudden it's like, Give me the, you no, no. took it back. We, 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 we pray we'll give something to God, but then we take it back. It, but let me, let me set it up this way it's like, and this would happen not just to second chance churches, it would happen in any church in the southeastern part of the United States, whether it's Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, ba- ba- Baptist, Baptist. Cook it on Pahonyx, all right? it mean, doesn't matter. Let's say you pulled into the parking lot and your car was running a little rough, um, but you managed to get to church and you came in here, you sat through the worship service, you go back outside, you try to crank up your car, your car will not start. So you walk back in to the church, whether it's this church or another church, and you announce, my car will not start. Somewhere between four and eight men will escort you back out to your car. One of them will say, pop the hood. You will not know what pop the hood means, so you will do a Google search to figure out what pop the hood means. Once you figure out what pop the hood means, you pop the hood. One of the men will raise the hood. After about 15 to 30 seconds, all men consecutively at the same time will start doing this. And then one of them will say, looks bad. Everybody will agree. Now, here's the secret. None of them know what they're looking at. This is just what our fathers and our grandfathers did, so it's what we do. And then, all of a sudden, they'll start speculating. Looks like the fuel injector. Looks like, you know, the flux capacitor. Looks like, and they'll start just making stuff up. But then one of them, because in the South, this is what we do, one of them has some duct tape and WD-40, which can fix anything. And so, somehow, they'll get your car running. And, and, and let's say they, 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 you're going to take it to the mechanic. And he goes, I know the best mechanic in town. He can fix anything, and you call him. He meets you at his um, shop, and he walks out. He pops the hood. He actually knows what he's looking at. He's like, I see the problem, and he looks at you and said, leave it with me. I'll call you when it's taken care of. And you go, okay, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. But we live in a society of instant gratification. So after about an hour looking at her phone, Hadn't called. He hadn't texted. After about two hours, hadn't called or texted. So we we restart our phone, you know, because sometimes you have to restart it just to make sure it's working. When that don't work, we text one of our friends. Hey, would you mind calling me? I just want to see if my phone works. Four hours we go to bed that night, we wake up the next morning. The first thing we do is check our phone, and he hadn't called. So we we we're just angry and we leave, we get somebody to come pick us up, we go down to the mechanic's place, we get our keys, we jump in our car, we drive it away, two blocks later, it breaks down. Question, whose fault is it? Our fault or the mechanic's fault? Our fault, because we took it back. So that thing you're worried about, that thing that's causing you anxiety, did you give it to God and take it back? Because if so, we can't blame it on God. I'm I'm speaking as a multiple-time offender here. I'll give it to God, but I took it back. And prayer is when we say, God, I'm literally giving this to you. I'm trusting you. Whether you do something now or whether you do something later, God, I'm putting it in your hands. It's that thing that we've got. And listen, once you do it, It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing because let me make you a promise. The enemy wants to bring it back up. And I've literally had to say out loud, I've given that to God. I've surrendered that. I'm not in control of that. I don't control that anymore. It is in God's hands. That's the best definition I can give you of prayer. Prayer is passing it off going, God, I can't handle this. You take it and then continually surrendering it to him knowing that he'll make it right in his time. Now, he goes on to say this, though. He goes on to say this. He said, he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, which is, with, for me, for me, I'm, I'm learning, and I'm just learning this. This is stuff that I'm learning right now. I'm learning how to just pray big prayers, huge prayers. I, instead of, um, I used to be the Christian that goes, okay, God, I'm going through a tough time right now, and God. If you just give me the strength to get through this affliction. And now I'm like, God, get me the freak out. Like, get me out right now. Like, get me out. Get me out. I'm I'm learning how to pray big. And you know, if God says no, that's it's not gonna be because I ask, or I didn't ask. We can't be afraid to ask God for huge things because we will ask in proportion to what we perceive the other person is able to do. We will ask. In proportion to what we perceive. Like, for example, let's say for some reason today, and I'm not judging, but for some reason you left here and decided to go to Taco Bell. Because every once in a while you gotta make a run for the border, always followed by a run to the bathroom. So <laughs> it's true. I just go preach the truth. So, so you go to Taco Bell, okay, and you walk up to the cash register, and 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 the person's behind the cash register, and you go, um. They would look at you like you're the weirdest person. I know, listen, I hate to ask. I, hate, I know you're so busy. I know you got the chalupas and the burrito, but just could I, could I get a taco? They would look at you and go, We can give you a truckload of tacos. Like, what's your problem? I just don't want to ask for too much. That would be weird. Or if you went to Chick fil A, which you can't because they're closed on Sunday, but like you went to Chick fil A and said, Listen, listen, um, could, I, could I grab a nugget? Nobody behind the cash stretchers is going to go, here's a normal person. Like a chicken nugget? Yeah, 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 ch- chicken nugget. Yeah, you, we, we serve chicken because we're Chick-fil-A. We're not like cow filet. We're, we we're Chick-fil-A. So here's my question. If we're not afraid to ask for a taco at Taco Bell, and we're not afraid to ask for chicken at Chick-fil-A, then why would we be scared to ask the creator and the sustainer of the universe for a miracle? Because according to scripture and according to what I've seen in life, that's who he is. And that's what he does. And so if we need something, just ask God for it. And here's the good news. If we ask God for something big and he says no, it's only because he had something better in mind to begin with all along. The author of Ecclesiastes says this, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Somehow he takes a mess and turns it into a miracle. And, and by the way, if you're a parent, has your kid ever asked you for something and you thought, God, you're asking way too small. You're asking way too small. They they go to the dollar store and they're like, oh my gosh, if I could just get a dollar, like a like I could buy the dollar store, right? That's when we ask sometimes. The reason God doesn't say yes is because our plans are too small, because He says in the through the prophet Isaiah, "My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts," says the Lord, "and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine." For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher. Than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, if God says no to whatever we ask, it's only because he has something better in mind. Now, all of this, all of this kind of made sense. It's like, okay, don't worry. Pray about it continually, like continually pass it off. Ask big. And right now I'm doing that. I've got, I've got two things that I'm asking God very specifically for. Let me pause. Don't try to guess what my two things are. If you just tried to guess what my two things are, focus on you, all right? You just focus on you. Look in the mirror, not in the window. Hello, okay? So, but I'm praying for these two things. They're humongous. I'm asking for them on a continual basis over, and every time I'm tempted to worry about them, I'm like, God, I have given that to you. But then there's this one thing that got me, and you know when it got me? It got me in June of 2018, When I was downtown Jerusalem, like I was in Jerusalem and I wrote this down. This is how long I've been kind of thinking about this and praying through this. This one phrase got me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank you well that that right there it changes everything i uh i was with a group of people we we're watching a football game and one of the girls got up and she said i'm going to the kitchen can i get anybody anything and i was like yeah you could grab me a bottle of water if you don't mind and so she and she did she got me a, a bottle of water and i came back in by the way by the way just a little side note when a group of people are trying to watch a football game, if you want to talk, go in the other room. Okay, let, let us watch the football game. Hello, that was for free. It's just frustration. This is my therapy. Um. So anyway, she she brings me the bottle of water, and I'm into the game, and I take the bottle of water, and I un and I'm drinking, and I just know water drinking. Water, and I notice out of the corner of my eye, she's just standing there, which is weird. And I think she's just watching the game until I did. Have you ever kind of tried to look at somebody out of the side of your eye? and they catch you giving them the side eye. So you just gotta be willing sometimes, you gotta be willing to risk. And I was like, and she's looking down at me. And I'm looking at her and she's staring and I'm staring and it gets really uncomfortable. And finally she looked at me and she went, thank you. And I went, you're welcome. <laughs> so close, I didn't know. She said, no you didn't say thank I was like, oh my God. Oh, okay. <laughs> Diva. I, I, no, I didn't say that. I thought it, but she, she was right. I didn't say, I didn't say thank you. It, I was very thankful, but I just didn't say thank you. I, have you ever been that way? You're very thankful, but saying thank you just slips your mind. It slips my mind. I, there's a story about Jesus healing 10 lepers in the scripture and he healed 10, but only one came back to say thank you. Now, do you think the other nine were thankful? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely they were. But they were so fun. They wanted to go see their moms or their dads or their wives or their kids or whatever. They wanted to be focused on their family or whatever, and they just forgot to say thank you. Sometimes what I know the reason I carry worry around with me is because I have not stopped and thanked God for all He's done in my past. Because when I begin to thank him for what he's done in the past, I begin to realize if he did that for me, then what can he do over here? If God was that faithful there, he will be more than faithful here because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So when I look back over my past, even though I've got some things in my life That I'm not particularly proud of and I've got some things in my life that happened to me that I wish wouldn't have happened wouldn't have happened to me I can still be thankful for example my mother passing away when I was 11. That absolutely was horrible I wouldn't wish that on anybody but I can look back on that and say God thank you for a mother that made sure I was in church every day or every Sunday, for the first 11 years of my life. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for for the spiritual heritage she left in my life because of her that God put an anchor so deep in my heart that when I wanted to run from him, I couldn't run far. And the reason why is because I had a mother that was committed. And today, as a 48-year-old man, I can be thankful for a mother who I only knew for 11 years, but she took those 11 years and she made the most of those. I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for when my dad was arrested and got put in jail and I was homeless. I can be thankful. You know what God gave me? He didn't give me a house. He gave me a job. He gave me a job in a restaurant where I never had to miss a meal. And I began to learn how to work hard. And I I learned this thing called work ethics, where if you showed up early, stayed late, and didn't steal while you were there, you would be the manager of the place in six months. God used a tragedy to teach me, and for that today, I am thankful. I'm thankful for the fact that three years ago, I lost my job. I'm thankful. I'm not bitter, Bob. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm thankful because you know why? God used that experience to teach me more about love and grace and mercy and empathy and kindness and compassion than I would ever have learned had I not walked through that. So today, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the friendships that I lost. Because through that, instead of sitting around and mourning lost friendships, God taught me how to be a better friend. Instead of focusing on what I lost, I can actually be the person for other people that I wanted other people to be for me. God has taught me that. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I lost my reputation because in losing my reputation, God showed me, Perry, it never was about you to begin with. It was about me. It wasn't about your name. It was about my name. And I can be thankful today because I wouldn't have learned that had I not gone through it. So for me, it comes back to this thing called Thanksgiving, not the holiday, but, but the, the practice of God saying, thank you, thank you God, for, thank you for what you have done. And for me, I just like to sing. I don't think I'm good, but I love to sing. In fact, not too long ago, about a couple years ago, I bought a piano. and It's not expensive. It was like on sale. Um, you ever notice that people justify anything? You can walk up to somebody today and go, "I love what you have on." And if it listen, if it's a white girl, she'll always tell you, "Thank you, Target, ten dollars." Okay. pretty scarf. <laughs> Men are like my wife bought it. <laughs> um, but but I bought a piano. It was on sale. And and um, y'all pray for my neighbor. He's a good dude. I love him. I love him. We're friends. But but my my piano is comes right up against um, his wall, and I've asked him before. I'm like, "Have you ever heard me over there playing guitar?" He goes, "Guitar, no. Piano, yes." I don't know what that meant, but sometimes I just like to sit down, and I just I just like to sing because when I when I sing, I can celebrate, you know. And I can, and 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 so I love the new worship songs. I love that we're always going to sing, but every once in a while, I got to. I got to go to church. So I just sing the old, the, the older stuff, and it's stuff like, um, look what the Lord has done. I've been singing that all week. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Just in time, oh I'm gonna praise his name. Each day is just the same, because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. That's not in the song, but I'm making it up as I go along. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. And when I when I worship, when I, when I worship. Worry has to go away because worry and worship can't exist in the same place. So so I like it it when I sing, but I like it when I get other voices to kind of sing with me because it just does something to the atmosphere in the room. In fact, it sounds like this. It sounds like, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done he healed my body he touched my mind he saved me just in time oh i'm gonna praise his name
1: each day is just the
0: same come on and praise him
1: look what the lord has done
0: Hand. i don't know about you but like i like that groove right there because it feels like i've been to church i like you like the organ a little bit can i get a little bit a little bit of organ can i look Ooh. makes me want to change my name to bishop pb noble and start wiping my head with a towel did you know did you know that the lord has done more for you than you could even imagine that some of you today, you wouldn't be standing here. You should be crazy. You should be in jail. You should be dead. You should be defeated. But because Jesus helped you slay that giant, walked with you through the fire, you are standing today. You are standing today. And that is a miracle. All because of what the Lord has done. So here's how we're getting in today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want you right where you stand to say thank you. I want you to tell God thank you for something. Find something in your heart. Find something in your mind. Find something in your past. You can thank him. You can thank him that you woke up indoors this morning. You can thank him that there's food in the refrigerator. You can thank him that you are able to breathe. You're able to walk out of this place. You can thank him. Let's not take for granted what he has done for us. Let's say thank you, and that thing that has you worried all week, just give it to him right now. Just say, God, I'm passing it off to you. God, I'm passing this off to you. I'm not gonna carry this anymore. I am passing it off to you. Right now, God, I'm gonna give you my anxiety. Right now, I'm gonna give you this relationship. Right now, I'm gonna give you this depression. Right now, I'm gonna give you this job. Right now, I'm gonna give you this problem. Right now, I'm gonna give it to you, God. I'm gonna give it to you right now. I want you to pass it off to him right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I wanna thank you today for what you have done God, you are amazing. You, God, have immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine planned for us. I pray, Jesus, instead of worry, we will worship and be thankful because you are greater than anything or anyone that comes against us. And everyone who agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Hey, as you leave, if you walked in here with a worry and you need someone to pray with you or for you, we have care room volunteers all along the back wall right when you walk outside. They would love to meet with you, pray with you, pray for you. If not, we're glad you came to church today. We'll see you again next Sunday. Are you glad you came to church one more time? Love you guys. See y'all next week. God bless.